There we go. Excellent. All good. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So um, getting to work takes like 20 minutes because it's all downhill, so it's much easier. Then you've got to come home. It takes about 45 minutes because you've got to struggle all the way back. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. But no, it's good. It it wakes you up, I suppose. It's always nice. But uh, the only reason I had to go in is um, they're training up someone to sort of do the job I normally do at the weekends, which is look after the team and open everything up and all that kind of stuff. But one of the buildings is the spooky building and loads of members of the team just don't like working in it. And the the lady who's being trained up to do what we do as like a cover uh, has said, blanket, I'm not working that building. I, I, I don't do it. I'm sorry. I'll do literally everything else on this building. Cannot go in there. So I said, all right, I'll come in 45 minutes every morning unlock it all up and get it all ready for everyone to work in it and um yeah so i'm getting paid 45 minutes every day just to walk in plain clothes open up a building that's got no spooks whatsoever and go home again so it's not strange it's really weird i'm i'm uh, profiting from somebody else's fears yay (laughs) (laughs) pays the bills pays the bills that's fine oh how about you how's how's work yeah good thank you mate yeah good Um... I i saw you had like a little uh a stool, uh, a yes. mental health stool. Well, going mental on. health day, yeah. Oh, ah, yeah. nice. Yeah, so that was good. Did some bits for that. So, yeah, went well. Yeah. Nice. Good. Excellent. Good, yeah. Uh, well, uh, speaking of mental health, we're going to finish season two. We are. Yeah. <laughs> we never have to talk about it again. <laughs> um, yeah. So just do Expanse. Uh, there's the bit where we jump forward yep. and do uh, the E squared. And then we're going to sort of do a little bit of time. Why? I mean, so I'll do that bit. Don't worry about that. And then we'll just carry on with the episode. And then some Nexus nights if we have time. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Oh, there it is. Space time. The ever expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temple Trek podcast. Uh, we are in season three, episode 52 of the podcast and season two, episode 26 of Enterprise, the end of season two, as we enter the expense. Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to start at zero minutes, zero seconds in just a moment. But of course, I am not alone. I am always joined by... Uh, you're always joined by Dan. And I am indeed Dan. And between us, we are... Dan! Dan! There we go. Insert clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Good, good. I am so much relieved that we don't have to do season two anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting ride, wasn't it? Um, not necessarily a great one, but an interesting one. Yes, indeed. Uh, and definitely worth some discussion if we do a, a Nexus Nights end of season two as yes. well. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> so the expanse. Uh, before we head on into the expanse, any thoughts on the episode? Uh, rem- remembering it, sort of when it first came out, you know, anything like that? Um, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I think um, it's the storyline Enterprise has been waiting for. Yeah. It really feels like that. I was watching it this morning again, and um, yeah, it feels like it's. Yeah, we're we're ready to go, and finally it's found. I mean, I think season two, particularly, the lack of direction mm. was a real problem for season two. It was very bitty. You know, there wasn't a lot going on. There wasn't really a. Don't think there was really an overarching storyline or anything going on. Nothing that sort of tied the episodes together. So nope. we finally have that, and um, fingers crossed, we're going to enjoy season three a lot more. Yes. Yeah, I think it's uh, made me reconsider season one and mm. the fact that even though it was ill-defined, even though it didn't really go anywhere, the few episodes of the Cold War, the Temporal Cold War, at least gave you a sense that there was some other ominous threat to season one. And even if they had a standalone episode, there was something else Arch had to be getting on with. Season two just plodded along. And oh, think- really, yeah things kind of happened it's been a real slog i think it really has really has felt that way Mm. and i'm really looking forward to season three actually (laughs) at last and we're actually halfway through an entire yeah you know an entire what's the word um series of 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 star trek we're halfway through our first complete series yeah remarkable really as you I mentioned last time, <laughs> yeah. As you mentioned last time, like this is yeah. this is the first for us on this show. Yeah. Uh, we never got through a complete season until last season, and now we've got a complete half of an iteration of Star Trek, and it's yeah. mind blowing to get to this point. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Just like you, I never thought I would get to this point. I, right. I thought maybe I'd get to maybe the nineteenth century. I'd do my Times Arrow episode, and then everyone would be like, "Nah, it's all right. It's okay. You don't have to carry on this journey. That's fine." <laughs> I mean, probably people have said that. They just haven't sent it to me, you know. So uh, get in contact, everybody. Email us and uh, get the feedback in. You know, just, just say, that's yeah, fine. 2153, just, just sack it in. You're all right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, halfway through. It's going to be interesting. I um, I don't know. I, we'll save the opinions on the seasons, I suppose, for Nexus Nights. But yeah. I don't know whether this watch through has changed my opinion of Enterprise so far. It has for me. Oh, interesting. It dropped it quite oh. a bit. In my mind, season two was all right. Mm-hmm. But in my recent experiences, it really wasn't. <laughs> so if it was like a bell curve graph or anything like that, it's sort of like flatline season one, then drops for season two? Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much right. Do you feel like season three is going to be a steady incline or is it just gradually creeps up to getting better? I think it gradually creeps up. I okay. think it's really interesting. I've been listening to um, our mates over at the uh, Measure of a Fan podcast. And, of course, mm-hmm. they're a bit ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And they've been really knocking season three. <laughs> and I've been thinking, oh, I thought season three was really good all the way through. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it does get better towards the end. It, it certainly ramps up. Yes. You know. I suppose it's whether you enjoy a season-long arc or not, really, you know. True. Well, I mean, you can enjoy a season long arc. I suppose it depends whether this particular iteration of Star Trek 
pulls off the season well, arc. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, but but we'll see. In yeah. its expanse, in the expansiveness yeah. of Star Trek, will it work? Um, so speaking of expanse. I suppose we better get started. Yes. Uh, so we're going to go to zero minutes, zero seconds. Now, this episode does actually have some timey wiminess, so we will stop every now and then and I'll do some uh, timestamps, but uh, nothing too serious, nothing uh, time loopy or heisty. So nothing is going to ruin our brains. So we open up at zero minutes, zero seconds as some weird spatial distortion warps space and we get a nice uh, sound effect as a gnarly looking ball just comes through the uh, the the whatever it is and I appears think, above I, florida i think you've missed something though oh go for it doesn't e2 e squared come before that don't worry i'm coming to that don't worry okay okay so a gnarly probe appears above florida and cuts a line from florida through down down through cuba by the looks of it and then all the way down to venezuela um it explodes its braces and for some reason leaves itself behind on Earth to be found so that your enemy can study the weapon that's used to destroy <laughs> your enemy? Um, yes. Hmm. Any thoughts on just this scene before we go into the credits? Um, yeah, I, I thought that as well. It's very odd. <laughs> you think you would just destroy it, wouldn't you? Because um, yeah. you wouldn't want to leave any evidence for them to hmm. to find out more information or anything like that. You'd, you'd want to be secret, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah, maybe they... it just helps with the plot. They need to speak to Reed, you know, pack a few spatial charges inside there so it detonates yeah. after the test firing. Uh, and also, why attack your enemy with a, and what you know is a test and is not a perfect prototype, alerting them to the fact yes. that you have a weapon and an intention to go and kill them? Um, any thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, <laughs> um, it helps the story, doesn't it? <laughs> It does, I suppose it does. But maybe yes, you're right. maybe there's a reason we'll come to in season three yeah, that will maybe. illuminate as to why they did that. Um, and we stop as we go into the credits. However, we're not going to go into the credits. We are going to go back to zero minutes, zero seconds, but not in the same episode. So clean your chronometers, readjust and go to season three, episode 52 of this podcast. But it's season three, episode 21 of Enterprise and E squared. Now, the reason I'm putting this after the probe fires is that yep. this scene will not happen unless the probe fires ah, first okay. starting the causality so weird vulcany looking character comes into a room that looks oddly like an enterprise room but it's very very old and it's a bit disheveled uh, and to talking to a, a familiar sort of face but it's sort of a face with a lot of pancake mixture all over it <laughs> i'm not entirely sure what's going on there uh, but uh yeah, they failed to stop some probe. Apparently, it went mm. through the through the the whatever spatial anomaly they were talking about, and uh, it's going to go through. So now this old character says, "You need to find Jonathan Archer," and uh, that stops at one minute and twelve seconds. Mm. What's going on there? Indeed. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, there's a few thoughts. Hey, what I noticed, I watched it first this morning, and mm -hmm. then went into to um, at the expanse. And it really changes mm. how you view the expanse, the beginning of the expanse. It's very interesting. The other thing, of course, is why did it take 21 episodes of season three <laughs> for them to find them as they knew exactly where they're <laughs> going to be for the, the whole time? <laughs> but, you know. Exactly. Again, why? I think that seems to be the overriding thing for the expanse is why is this happening? Because... Yes. If things happen in this order, it doesn't quite make any sense. Um, 
But because they've now started this chain reaction and they've gone into the expanse, we then go back and reset and reclean our uh, chronometers again. Go back to season three, episode 52, season two, episode 26 of Enterprise, the expanse. But go back to zero minutes and zero seconds when this gnarly looking probe appears out of a space anomaly and cuts a, a suave, a swathe of uh, whatever uh, Ouch is about to say later in the episode. As it cuts from Florida all the way through Cuba and down to Venezuela. Um, it explodes its braces and leaves behind this weapon that for people to... to Oh, wait, no, sorry, we've fallen into a time loop again. Sorry, it happened again. As we go into the credits for Enterprise, because obviously it's one big time loop, because if that doesn't happen, then they don't go yeah. back and have that meeting on the Enterprise in 21 episodes time, but then the firing of the, the thing doesn't go, oh, it's very, very <laughs> annoying. So as we come out of the credits, we go into uh, Kronos, and we get the Council, and we get the Klingons coming back, which is really yes. strange. Um and they finally do what we actually talked about in Bounty when they were actually discussing Archer, the fact that he's escaped and they need to get him back. And now they need to restore Duras's honor. So it's now his job to go out and get him back. I kind of feel like this is the scene we should have had at the beginning of Bounty and that actually Duras has been chasing him for weeks and that that Tellarite was just one of many different ploys that the Duras were trying to use to try and get him. Um, uh, they uh, they say twice he's been captured, twice he's escaped. Did they not read his file? It's Jonathan Houdini Archer. It's in the name. Um, so uh, any thoughts on involving the Klingons in this episode? I was very bored of the Klingons at this point. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I've forgotten about this bit. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> just leave it alone. But, you know, we've had enough of that. Yeah. yeah, so this is the weakest part of the episode for me. This whole Klingon thing, and it and it sort of doesn't where well, it does resolve itself, but it just you know it's all a bit you know they they chase him for a while, shoot him a few times, and then eventually then they just destroy him. Mm. It's all a bit boring, really. Mm. A bit pointless. They seem to be cramming a lot into this episode, yeah. having done several episodes where pretty much nothing happened leading up to this <laughs> maybe they should have done it earlier maybe um it's almost like we need a season arc that maybe to, to do this sort of thing um <laughs> we can get a briefing over at the enterprise and three times in one hour forest has called archer to perhaps update him on something that's happening three times in one hour with all the subspace traffic with all the delays that that would cause why not just wait till you've got a proper status? Again, it comes back to this thing in the Wii Expanse. Why? Why call him three times? He's a ship that's weeks away, according to this own episode. You know, wait till you've got all the information, then send it in a big package. Um, I, you know, do they have to wait about your know, data streaming? Do they have like a two gig package and they can only send a certain amount? Um, do they need to upgrade their Wi-Fi? I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a bit of animosity from flocks is that i don't remember the last time i was called to this briefing um and to, to suggest that somehow this is more important than everything else they've been doing for the last two years uh archer informs them of the probe one million casualties is the starter for it and uh, they are being recalled why why are they being recalled they, they are an exploration vessel on a planet of billions of humans we are going to establish they've got ships already around the solar system they're already been attacked they're on high alert presumably there is a star fleet 
They are not just one ship. They are a Starfleet. Um, why? Why did Enterprise get mm, recalled? Good question. Yes, maybe it's so the the the, the Makos could get on the board. Ah, that'll be it. Yeah, that's and then true. get some funky new weapons. That's true. But it just feels like well, couldn't they send a Vulcan ship, which is faster than them, to go and meet them and bring the weapons, and then they could do all of this stuff without going back to Earth. Yeah. Um. It it just seemed really weird why the the Enterprise had to come back, and we spend a long time that we don't actually get to see of the Enterprise returning, getting refit, going back out again by the end of the episode. Mm. It just seemed really weird why they chose to slow down the pace of the episode. I just wondered if you had thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. My my main thought from that scene, actually, was what was Reed mentioning when he said something like, Mm. since the last time or something he said, didn't he? Yeah. What was was this thing? Yeah, mid-conversation. Yes. I want to know. I want a short trek. <laughs> he was he was trying to get a write off, wasn't he, to put some CCTV cameras in the uh, decon chamber. That's what it was. That's, That's what, what it was. was. Yeah, yeah. He got called in again. Yeah, because all the other crew are sort of looking at him and sneering whilst he's talking. So I reckon he said something really unsavoury, and that's what it was. Um, <laughs> Forrest calls again to end yes. that briefing. So four times in one hour. Yeah. Uh, then they go back to the ready room and Trip is now asking what part of Florida. So in all of those calls, at no point did someone think, hang on a minute, they're chief engineers from Florida. Maybe we should maybe look into this and give them a bit more precise information. But Trip is really left out in the wind quite early in this episode. He's got a vested interest in this attack. Yeah. And no one is giving him the specific information, which you'd imagine would be quite easy to do considering it can be viewed from space, this cut through the earth um, that no one mentioned, maybe what district, what state line it goes through. Uh, I don't know. I reckon it's not actually because he wants to learn about his sister. He's actually more concerned about Disney world Ah. because we have never heard of this particular sister. We've heard of a sister, uh, the older sister, but not the baby one before. This is the first time we've ever heard of the sister. I reckon he's actually more worried about, something else in florida um uh but the three million casualties it goes up as well uh just i, I t- think i think that he's probably got like a weed plantation isn't he oh it could be that's yeah. what it is he's got like he's got like a little sideline and he that's what it is that's his retirement plan when yeah. enterprises now everything's all over that's it that's how he's gonna fly yeah definitely um there's a nice little moment where he does say that i made all the boys look at, at me when she went to school and it's like, you wouldn't intimidate people. Surely. I was going to say that. It's not the scariest bloke in the world, is he? No, no. <laughs> he doesn't have like a couple of scars. He's, yeah. not miss- he's not missing an eye. You know, he's not tattoos everywhere or something like that. Not the most intimidating. Maybe he was when he was younger. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was a nice moment, but it kind of wasn't very believable. Yeah. <laughs> to Paul comes in and says that the Vulcans have recovered the pod again. Why did they leave something to be recovered in Central Asia? Uh, I think this is actually the first time we've mentioned Central Asia on Earth. Like up to this point, we've only ever talked about England, America, uh, South America, because that's where Hoshi was teaching. And now we know that there is Central Asia and we've been talking about it. So this is something that happened in 2153. Um, and the only reason I mentioned that is that I know that in the future, 
that is something that's been brought up in Star Trek. Is we don't we don't have a lot of Central Asian characters from Central Asia. Mm. We have Japanese American in George yep. Takai. We have Hoshi. Obviously, she doesn't come from South. Uh, she comes from South America. She doesn't come from Central Asia. Um, so it's just interesting that they they chose that geography that geography for this mm. um, to come into. Um, and I'm just wondering if as we go through Temporal Trek how many actual mentions there are of one the biggest part of the of the planet uh just nothing ever happens to uh, it's just i'm just very interested in that happen uh trip asks her if the vulcans know exactly where florida was hit it's like no they were in central asia trip does he not know geography as well <laughs> so we've established no no english no maths he doesn't know <laughs> geography either how did he pass all of his exams at school? <laughs> I shouldn't really pick on him. That's, you know, I'm shaming him. Anyway, um, as we go on, we get uh, eight Suleban ships now appear, mm. and we're straight into Archer Abduction. My name is Jonathan Archer. <laughs> Answer the question. He does get abducted. Admittedly, they're not torturing. They're not going to yep. hit him. But he gets taken and uh <laughs> to paul and reed sort of go captain uh yeah. they, and then they sit back down again <laughs> so, uh, it's happened again <laughs> yeah it only happened last week <laughs> oh god he didn't come out with a new t-shirt this time though that's the thing anyway uh silic uh doesn't know uh what's going on so he hasn't been informed which is quite interesting i mm. think that the future mm. guy hasn't actually given him the information but he wants to talk to archer we find out about rival factions we're bringing back the temporal cold war into this do you feel like that's a good move do you feel like they've done enough with the temporal cold war um yeah, I think they've done enough with the Temple Cold War, but I suppose you sort of need this bit, don't you? Because this sort of leads into the, the, the justification for going into the expense and stuff. So again, did they need to bring silicon stuff in? Not really, but they needed some way of of getting that information to, to Archer to enable him to convince mm. sort of Starfleet to go go for it. So mm. again, it was more about story than anything, wasn't it, really? And it was very short sort of scene he wasn't involved any further or anything like that so it's just like a bit of a a setup really mm. given that he's already given him so much information it's 400 years in the future does indy think you're going to destroy their home world um now they want to annihilate you first you know why should i believe you you don't have a choice they have daniel's database they have not mentioned that it's disappeared uh-huh. they could verify all of this with daniel's database which has time and again proved that it's got all the information they need. Why didn't they do that? Again, See, you would be still there, wouldn't you? In, in the writer's <laughs> room. Why didn't you do that? Anyway. I can see you sort of hunched like a little homunculus <laughs> on the table. <laughs> I'm in a little box and they just pop my yeah. head up and that's it. <laughs> Daniel's database. Don't forget it. Um, They go back to the ready room and uh, Archer's just back. No one says, oh, you're back from being abducted. Like They are so used to him being abducted now. They don't even acknowledge it anymore. Uh, T'Pol still doubts time travel. Yes. Again. Like she is properly doubting him again. Um, 
we now get a mention uh, of 24th of April, 2153. Mm. We finally get a time stamp. Just trying to remember, we're working in a time frame here. You're just not thinking fourth dimensionally. Right, right. I have a real problem with that. We know where we are. So we've already gone four months into this this year. They've had uh, uh, Visions. They've had Borg. They've had a Tellarite who tried to uh, abduct Archer. Not that that's very difficult. And now Earth has been attacked. It's a pretty tumultuous year already. It is, yes. Any thoughts on um, 2153 so far? Um, it's been a bit boring so far, isn't it, really? <laughs> As you say, there is quite a lot that's gone on, but they haven't really... It's It's sort of... There should have been lots going on, but they managed to make programs that didn't really come across as much going on. <laughs> it was more like, oh. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, cybernetic creatures yeah. that could uh, enslave the human race. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. How many uh, pandemics have they gone through to get to 2153 yes, that actually indeed. stuff like that just rolls off the back now? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a uh, uh, timey wimey thing. Timey what? Timey-wimey. I've, I've no idea where he picks that stuff up. They said it's a long journey as they get back to Earth. So it doesn't precisely say when we found out about the attack. So it could have been several weeks. Mm. They said it's been a long road, getting from the two. And um, I wonder if we should have had the last few episodes, given that they're already bringing in Duras. They could have had Bounty happen as they were trying to get home. Uh, they could have had Regeneration, because obviously that started at Earth. You know, Enterprise could have come back towards Earth so it's closer. So when yep. this just happens to be, and, and by happy coincidence, they are closer to home so they can get home. I feel like this episode would have been served better had they brought it in as like a an unofficial trilogy of episodes. I was just wondering yep. if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, this I like this episode and and I think it's very mm. good, but it is very compressed as well, because of that. As you say, there's lots going on, which is sort of good. Mm. You know, because it has been a, a series of not a lot going on for quite a while. <laughs> so that's it's, it definitely ramps up the pace and it's much more exciting than the, the recent stuff. Um, but equally, yeah, I mean, why not in a way, you know, why not take advantage of this big story that's coming and expand it a little bit and, and let it be sort of breathe a bit, I suppose. There's so many points where they've made a decision to say that Enterprise has been up to this for weeks and weeks and weeks and we're going to just now chop and change, that they could have interplayed all of the last few episodes mm. and it would have made believable sense that Enterprise is coming back home, but it's yeah. going to be a long journey to do so um, and that they might process their grief. You know, they could go yeah. through that and it might give us more character moments in these other episodes. They enter the soul system and Klingons are already there. There is a bird of prey. How awful is the security system around the soul system they didn't notice a massive bird of prey just suddenly turn up uh because they didn't say a decloaking they just no, said he turned up no that's right yeah dropping out of warp yeah yeah just casually walking past you know yeah. um three ships come to the rescue and they look mm. pretty old and battered and torn and well, they, they do, but also did you notice one of them looks just like a romulan ship from the yes. tos yeah, sort of like that wedge sort of yeah. type one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe inspired design? Maybe, yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe sort of spare models? <laughs> 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 Whatever model kit they could find in the shop yeah. now on the road. Uh, 
But it was kind of nice to see that Enterprise isn't the only ship in the region. And I know that that will be something that comes up in many years to come. Um, but again, does prompt why was Enterprise recalled? They've got a fleet looking after Earth. You know, they don't need them back there. If they want to outfit Enterprise with new stuff, send the Vulcans to go and help them out, you know, or, or to kick them out. Or if not the Vulcans, send someone else, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Horizon, you know, we could have had the episode with uh, with uh, Travis meeting his family because Horizon gets diverted to pick up yep. everything that the Enterprise is going to need and brings it to them. And then we get an episode with the two of them together. And then they get to try out these new photonic torpedoes against the, the pirates and stuff like this. Um, in orbit, Enterprise is above and looks at the trench and all this sort of stuff. Trip is the only one who doesn't look at the screen. Yeah, And I thought it was quite a nice, quiet moment. He just can't bring himself to look at it. Yeah. Um, Forest office, Saval, and time travel is yet again denied <laughs> by the Vulcans. Um, at least it's consistent. Uh, Archer wants to go after the Zindi. It Warp 5, it's going to take a three-month trip. Again, they, they're already saying it's going to take us ages to get to where we're going. Why didn't we sort yep. of pick this up? Because <laughs> the last half of season two... They must have, uh, you know, in the writer's room, they must have broken down, right, okay, this last episode, uh, we need to send them on their journey. Why not build up to it? You know, it doesn't have to be an expanded arc. And if that's something they wanted to do for season three, why not sort of test the waters and see if yeah. it's you know, successful? Agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we find out about the Delphic Expanse. Now, Saval gives really grounded, good reasons that there are spatial anomalies. Things don't work properly. You know, even the laws of gravity don't seem to work there. And yet Archer sort of dismisses it as sounds like you're talking about the Bermuda Triangle. So it's a bit different, isn't it? I mean, Bermuda <laughs> Triangle is like on the off chance that maybe this plane disappeared because of some aliens or a weird paranormal event. No, he said there are specific things. We have tons of scientific data to prove that this is a dangerous region of space. Archer is being a bit of a dick, isn't he? He is a bit, a bit of a dick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I suppose the point is that would it put you off? You know, you're you're going to be saving the world. Yes. You you know, mm. you, so I don't think it would stop you, but you should at least take some notice. <laughs> you know, yeah. especially when he says anatomically inverted but still alive. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that came back. It wasn't just like, oh, we guessed that they must have been anatomically inverted. No, they actually came out the expanse and we saw with our own eyes this David Cronenberg Klingon yeah. ship. Uh, yeah, okay, that sticks in the memory banks. Um, and why didn't they show them that footage? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Rather than the Vulcans going a bit nuts. Uh, <laughs> and also, if Vulcans going a bit nuts is their problem, you know, bounty just happened last week, and uh, you know, it, a virus sent to Paul crazy. Yep. So that happens every week, doesn't it? You know, Vulcan physiology works both ways. Sometimes you're completely immune, yep. and sometimes you're not. There yep. you go. There's this complete marmite species. You don't have a grey area at all. Um, but uh, they want proof, and he then goes to quantum date some yes. some of the wreckage, and we find out that there's, there's something that's minus four hundred. Now, quantum dating. This is something I actually brought up in Regeneration, and I said that they were carbon dating all of the metals, but it seems like everybody knows what quantum dating is. Like, Forrest knows exactly how it's supposed to work, 
um, why they didn't quantum date regeneration and find out that actually their stuff was also from the future as well. Hmm, maybe bring all these episodes in, maybe tie it together. Maybe it's all part of the temporal cold war, but they don't realize that actually the Borg are there for some other reason. And uh. <laughs> Again, it comes into the why of the expanse. Uh, there was just so many points where I was like, well, this would have made so much more sense. Had we learned about quantum dating then, and then we bring it back again. And uh, mind. <laughs> get get back in the box, Dan. Get back in the box. What about quantum dating? They scan the pilot. Yeah, I'm losing it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. I am losing it. Uh, they scan the pilot, and they already have a look of the Cindy. They, mm. That body already looks like one of the reptilians we're going to find out about in season three. So I wondered, had they already decided what the Cindy were going to look like? Or do you think when they got to season three, they kind of retroactively worked it in? No, I think that, yeah, I think that was planned. I think they knew what was going on there. I think you'd have to. Mm. Yeah, to, to produce this episode, you'd, you'd need to know, at least have some idea what's coming, wouldn't you? Mm. You have to make some kind of sense. Do you feel so, then, do you feel then that that's why the last couple of episodes haven't been so great? That actually they were so focused on what was coming that they actually let season two suffer because of it. No, I think probably they wrote season two. Whether they wrote this episode early, this might have been a, a different episode that they come up with mm. halfway through the season. They suddenly changed, you know, they realized they needed to, to link season three in. Yeah. No, I just think season two was really poor. <laughs> <laughs> it was just bad. It was just yeah, bad. It was just bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll just do the last scene and then we'll jump over to number two. Uh, in sick bay, uh, Doctor Farrot from the Vulcan yes. uh, Medical Academy has come around. Apparently, there's thermoritic um, radiation, and that uh, this Vulcan needs to check him out just to make sure the exposure's there. Now, there were security guards already in that room when they went to quantum data, standing around with their phase pistols. He didn't think to maybe ask if they took some shots to just you know be in the room with this random piece of equipment. So. Already the Vulcans are lying and they're lying in such an obvious way. Yes. That why did they think they were going to get away with this? I don't know. Um, the Vulcan is so interested in his emotional states more than his physical state. That sends flocks going and it's like, this is over. How dare you come in here under false pretenses? If you couldn't love flocks anymore, I think you yes. have to do it at that point. Yes. Uh, just any thoughts on how far Saval was willing to go to sort of undermine Marcher? It, it just seems really odd. No, because yes, the expanse is dangerous, mm. but potentially Earth is going to be destroyed. Yep. So, what does Saval expect humans to do? You know, they're going to go in, aren't they? They're going to do what they can to to stop that happening. Yep. So, why is he so determined to stop them stopping it? Mm -hmm. Is it like uh, it's just a massive racist, isn't he? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Saval, just a massive racist. Yeah. I need that T-shirt now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, cold and calculating Vulcan. He's a logical Vulcan, okay? Yeah. So he wants to, on one hand, maybe stop Archer because he believes it's foolhardy and he's, yeah. he's playing into his emotions, okay? But also, given the last two years where he's been so anti-Archer, why not send him into the expanse yeah, so that he can fail to get rid of him? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Get him out, literally brush him under the thermonitic radiation carpet of the expanse and just give up on it. Um, I just feel like 
if anything, he should be promoting it and saying, look, yeah. we're going to get rid of him. We want to pull to pull away, but you go off. Yeah. By all means, you know, this is the end of your exploration mission and maybe you'll be more, uh, uh, you know, uh, easy going because you won't be destabilizing the quadrant as he keeps on telling him all the time. I just feel like that was a beat that maybe they could have played with that character. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We then go down to Florida and we go past the Cafe Rio and it's the return of the bad CGI. Um, they were just the recorded voices over the top of the animation of this weird CGI hand pointing over that way. And uh, I know it just kind of felt like it was a radio show that they'd, <laughs> They'd had Reed <laughs> and Trip talking, and they thought, oh, okay, let's stick a little picture over there. Um, yeah, really strange. And then they're standing there in clearly with a green screen behind yes. them. There's this that fuzzy line all the way around all the actors. Um, and uh interestingly, his sister kicked up a fuss because he wouldn't take her to the movies. I find that very hard to believe that Trip would never take a person to one of his favorite movies. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he literally forces people to go at the, in the enterprise, doesn't he? So exactly. Yes. Maybe yes. The, maybe they should have sent Doctor Farrot after him and, and yes. psychologically evaluated him because clearly there's something going on there, um, or maybe that he went through some life changing event and that's why I always take people to movies now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> now. His sister was so annoyed that uh, she didn't get taken to the movies. She screamed like a what? Now, the first time I listened to this, I was so busy typing down the, the notes and, and writing them all up. Screamed like a, a B word. <laughs> and then I couldn't quite work it out. So I had to remind every now and then. And it was only until I put the actual credits on that it was scream like a banshee. But the way he says it, the way he slurs it, kind of sounds like he's saying something else All right. i wonder if they were trying to push the 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 censorship or something maybe see oh, can we go a bit darker can we introduce a little bit of swearing but don't don't just put it under the radar because he just slurs the word banshee just enough to make it sound a certain way i was wondering if that was them saying right next season we're going to take it a bit darker but we're just going to edge it in it was such a simple line but because i was writing the notes i didn't notice that and I just don't remember him saying it. It's very, very strange. Oh, I didn't notice that. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, we go to dry dock, and yes. uh, there's been days of debate. So it took them weeks to get back. Twenty fourth of April was then. So we're somewhere in the first, second, third of May ish for there. So it's just taking forever to get through this episode. I know this. That's probably what the listeners are feeling as I'm talking through this as well. But yeah, it just really slows down as they're waiting for things to happen. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that as they're expecting the NXO2, which will be launched in yes. 14 months' time? Yeah, just, you know, you just really want to hope that the Zindi weapon isn't near to being done because it's taken so long. Exactly. Then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think there'd be a bit more urgency. <laughs> like Future Guy warned them, and he says to Forrest that, you know, it's taking so long. I don't think all he would have warned us if we didn't feel like we could have stopped them. But it's weeks and days that we're talking about here. Um, the, the Zindi have probably already finished it. It's so weird. Uh, and the other thing, I mean, with the refitting squads and stuff, I, I don't know about you, but I would, you know, it would be every available engineer on Earth would be on that ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just 
why isn't it just now like we've seen an increase in Starfleet uh, drafting? You know, people are signing up because they want to be part of like the the push to stop this this attack from happening again. Um, uh, yeah, just really strange why it's taking so long. That, there we go. Um, we get the first mention of a military coming on board mm. and that there's a general they're going to talk to and he's got no problem with working with a military personnel who aren't Starfleet. We aren't going to meet these military personnel on board this ship. And granted, it's been several weeks and it's going to be another several weeks as they get to the expanse. And we still don't get to meet the military mm. personnel. Do you feel like they didn't cast them? I think that might have been the issue. Yeah. 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 yeah, they they didn't want to pay an actor and then take a break for six months, then come back for season three. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. No, no, no. It's purely because they keep themselves themselves as military That's types. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, back in sickbay, and uh, to Paul talks to Flux, and Flux is saying it was a min- merely a simple sense of loyalty to the captain. He's been a bit uh, offish, or he's been a bit holier than thou, I guess. Because he's saying, like, for me, I'm just very loyal to the captain. What do you think? He, he's pointing out the duality of T'Pol. You know, she's always yeah. torn between the two. But no, no, just the way he said it, the way he convinced her, it just seemed a bit, well, I just did it because I, you know, I'm loyal to the captain. Yes, but I didn't really read it that way. Mm-hmm. I thought it was much more of a sort of jovial or sort of, I don't think it was a barb. Mm. I don't think it was, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was at the dig. I just think he just said what he. You know, I don't. What I thought. don't know. Maybe you're right, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was just, you know, what, he what said. happened. Yeah, yeah. He's just commenting that it's easier for him because yeah, you know, the Denobulans don't seem to be very anti-humans at this point. So yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, I wondered maybe you know that was the the real the real Denobulan slipping out you know just the <laughs> the racist Denobulan that we yes. we got in the breach yet again maybe bring the breach in and just put all the episodes <laughs> together. Um, we're in the armory and photonic torpedoes. I don't know yes. what these are all about. Uh, this is now the second time that Reed has disavowed any knowledge of photonic torpedoes, even though he mentioned it with the Vizians uh, in uh, Cogenita, and he obviously picked up on what they were in Sleeping Dogs. So he's got a really bad memory, Reed, I have to say. Um, maybe he's still reeling from the fact he couldn't get his CCTV put into the uh, decon chamber. You know, I think after this scene, the scene we don't see is Reed went off to his quarters and had a bit of personal time. <laughs> I think he was... <laughs> I think he was very happy to see those photon torpedoes. <laughs> He's in his room rug, rubbing his legs. Oh, photonic. Oh, photonic. Oh. Uh, <laughs> did, did you ever watch Shooting Stars on BBC yes. Two? Yeah, the yes. old game show. You know, yeah. whenever uh, Vic Reeves would go over yes. to the, the glamorous guest and just go, ooh, Iranu. Yeah, that is Reed. So yeah, um, Reed, yeah. I'll see if I can find a sound clip of him saying that because that will be Reed from now on. Iran. Uh, Forest uh, in Forest office, we then get the Vankara footage. So the the weird sort of uh, black and white grainy footage of the yeah. Vulcans losing their mind. Who's filming that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And why is it black and white? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we did this for more emphasis, of course. Uh, so all of the other Vulcans were losing their mind, but one of them lost their mind so much he became the Vulcan equivalent of Hitchcock. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As, he picked up a camera and discovered a part of himself he never knew was there. <laughs> uh, Saval seems to be 
genuinely concerned for Archer, which is kind of nice. Is this a, a thawing of relations between the Vulcans and Archer or just, just he's being a genuine person? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Saval is in some ways similar to Topol in that, as, and, and Topol's much more open about it, but Saval, I think, probably likes the humans, really. Mm. He spent a bit too much time around them, as he sort of accuses Topol of, and I think he can't help but sort of care and stuff. Mm. And he's got, all, you know, he's much more of a traditional Vulcan than Topol. You know, much more uptight and stuff, and would you know, would never ever admit it for a second. You know, <laughs> but I think you know, you, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Because we're human, so we don't know. But if you spend a, a amount of time with any person or any group of people, you can't help but form attachments to some degree. And I think even Vulcans, as much as they like to pretend that they're all super, you know, super logical and super cold and all the rest of it, I think actually, you you know, you would, you, you know, you'd, you'd you'd work closely with um, forest and stuff like that. You know, mm. you'd feel living on Earth, you would feel the the ramifications of the attack and stuff, wouldn't you? You couldn't help but do that. Mm. And it would certainly that would certainly fit in with everything we've had. You know, when they had ceasefire with the Andorians, he proved mm. himself in that regard to be less meddlesome than I thought you might be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was a nice moment to sort of show that actually maybe something is changing and yeah. Vulcan human relations will get better. Yeah. Um, and Topol outside, um, uh, they're talking about her being recalled yes. and they're outside fleet operations. Now fleet operations, yes. there's a whole fleet again. Yes. Why did the Enterprise get recalled if there's yeah. an entire fleet of operations? Yeah, absolutely. You know, NXO2 is being built still, so they haven't done that one. Um, they've got a whole fleet of ships. Even if they're Warp 2s, Warp 3s, why not send all of the photonic torpedoes and all the military personnel on that ship back for a rendezvous? You know, Enterprise is coming backwards, so we get all the episodes we've had for the last couple of weeks yep. whilst they're travelling back to get to the rendezvous, whilst another human ship comes to meet them and delivers everything and we don't get any problems and that's why we don't get to meet the military personnel until season three because they haven't arrived yet and all this sort of thing it just seems really weird if there's a fleet yeah. of operations why are they not doing back and forth i don't know um there's also a ministry of information at uh yes at vulcan or on vulcan is she going back to being spy to pole uh is this a callback to that episode the seventh <laughs> maybe yeah or is it is it a nod to um george orwell mm, yes i can see to writing sort of um official newspaper articles praising the high command you know <laughs> these dirty emotional humans ruining our yes. time yeah um yeah it just i thought ministry of information just sound quite underhanded and it does, fits it? with yeah. the arsehole vulcans we've been dealing it does with. Yeah. absolutely yeah um forest and archer say goodbye and uh enterprise heads off in yes. a reuse of the footage from the pilot oh really yeah <laughs> it's exactly uh, i went back and watched the pilot of the exact footage the the ship comes out the exact way. Nothing is different. Even though she's had a refit, she looks exactly the same. It's the same two people on dry dock watching it as it's flying underneath them. More bad CGI. 
more bad CGI, or are they stuck in a time loop like the other four yes, people yeah. who are down on Starfleet Command and headquarters who we didn't get in this episode, which is crucial enough. Um, I think the only reason they bring in the Klingons this episode is that they also reuse the same music as well. The music cues stop at a certain point and it goes into the Klingon really? music. So I reckon they only wrote Juras in so they could <laughs> reuse the music and the scenes and CGI at the same time. Um, and that's the only reason why the Enterprise got recalled. Talking of that, did you notice when when they when the um like the little sort of I don't know what you call them um the the pipes burst off? Yes, yes. Did you know how jaunty the music was. Yeah, <laughs> they're off to like you know potentially you know the world's a bit and it's just do 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 very happy and you know. Yeah. Well, maybe we've got Pirate Reed over there, you know, singing a sea shanty as they're just heading off. It's like, off we go to the expanse. Um, yeah, it is. It's oddly triumphant that they yeah. get Archer got his way, maybe. Maybe. You know, very strange. Um, but Juras has been sitting there the entire yes. time watching them, yeah. waiting them for to, to leave. Um, yeah. What was he doing? I... Waiting for him to get stronger. I know. It's really good. You know, don't attack them before they've upgraded. upgraded. <laughs> Wait until they finish upgrading. Because they, they must have been sat there cloaked the whole time, literally just yeah. staring at the dry dock. They must have seen the delivery of torpedoes or, or scanned <laughs> yeah. the delivery of torpedoes. Yeah. Um, and if there is an entire fleet operations, why have they not figured out something? You know, I don't know, randomly spray stuff out in space just to make sure it maybe coats anything that could be cloaked because you know that there's a bird of prey out there somewhere uh just no never mind um yeah maybe i maybe i thought he was sewing some more sequins did you see how silvery the <laughs> uniforms are you're right yeah they are full of sequins i i really ah. like the klingon style i have to say it's quite flashy Disco uh, klingon. yeah like almost leading into the 60s i guess you could see the silvery kind of lining i don't know if that was intentional but he's juris likes his sequins <laughs> there you go um uh, trip and archer drinking in uh, the mess hall and it gets a little dark because we're now mm. seeing a bit of murderous trip coming in so yeah. we're not going to pussyfoot around this we're not going to tiptoe around and do the non-interference crap that uh, the vulcans keep pushing on us um do you like this color on trip? Yes, I think this. I think trip throughout this episode works really well. Mm. He really does portray a guy who's lost his sister. Yeah, I think he does. It's a good. It's a really good performance, and um, I really believed his pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's sort of convincing Archer, but Archer doesn't give him a definite yes or no. He says, "We'll do whatever it takes." Yeah, which I think is is a yes. Yeah, I do. I think it's a yes, um, and he proves it mm. later. You know, later on. Very true. Uh, Juras then fires on the ship and yep. sort of starts to sort of take them on. They've now got their photon torpedoes. They fire back at them. So they've fired two torpedoes already. So they've already lost two torpedoes <laughs> going in. I'm going to keep this tally going for the entire season three. They've lost two torpedoes. We saw eight being loaded into that slot, and we've we lost did. two already. Now, obviously, more have been loaded in. You know, we'll see. But they've already lost two. Just ding, make a chart. Um, Duras just sucks. That's all yes, I'm going to say. Duras sucks. Uh, they run away to Vulcan space, so he's afraid of the 
the Vulcans, but not the humans. Um, he just can't command the ship. He can't seem to catch them, no matter what. No. But also, did you notice, I think, doesn't T'Pol say they're going to take about three hours to fix their engines? Yeah. But they're like five days away from Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really see what difference that makes, to be honest with you. They're only three hours behind them. Exactly. I mean, you know, I don't know. I think they go faster than the humans, don't they? I'm not sure. I thought they did. I thought they were. It has been established that they could go a little bit faster than Warp Five, so they'll just catch them up anyway. Yeah. Really weird. I just I don't know how that's it. Uh, Maybe it just proves how much more Duros sucks. Is that he can't even bridge the gap? Um, Back in the ready room, and uh, Topol now tries to get Archer to convince her to stay. Like she, uh, she says she's becoming accustomed to the smell. She's getting accustomed to their emotional mood swings. Uh, she's willing to resign her commission because you need me, not some other scientist. You need me. Um, and uh, yeah, Archer goes along with it and says, right, we're not going back to Vulcan. It's going to be harder to shake those Klingons. Let's just keep going. And the yeah, the Vulcans can't catch them up because we know they can go a lot faster. Are they going to hold Archer, you know, for kidnapping their science officer no no seems nope. to be nothing happens there so why why did the vulcans not try and catch them up hmm. yeah well yeah i suppose you're right yeah i hadn't thought about that at all it, it just seems like why is there not a bit more outrage why did we not get more of this episode sort of saying return our scientist and you know this could strain the vulcan relations and and this sort of thing as well i don't know just it just felt like that was a misbeat i don't know why um we get to the Delphic Expanse. We finally get to, <laughs> we get a supplemental, no timestamp, but he says seven weeks. Yes. So we're roughly anywhere between June 14th and 18th. Believe it or not, I actually looked up what dates it would be in 2153 and it'd be 14th and 18th if we take the first to the third of May. Yeah, I did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's now 12 months till the NXO2 launches. Just I want to keep that going just to see if that kind of lines up with what we're going to get. You know me in time. Uh, there's thick thermobaric clouds. Wasn't that the same radiation you were supposed to get a shot for in the in the thing? That's why Dr. Farrock yeah. came on board. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So why are they not taking inoculants? And... Mm. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's going to take them six hours to get through. And the Klingons appear again. And there's shooty-shooty pew-pews. And we get more of an action beat now. And it just sort of speeds to the end. Um, yeah, they fly over them and back round. Juros just sucks. He is the worst military come up. He didn't think that they could loop-de-loop round a cloud. Uh, he, is he so busy sewing in those sequins that he can't think that a ship could do that? Um, just any thoughts on why are the Klingons so hopelessly outmatched? Well, the, the the highlight for me was, I don't know if you noticed, but just before um, um, they fire off the missiles, mm-hmm. did you see his smile? Did you see Reed's smile? <laughs> Yes, yes. He got to blow stuff up and he shoot things. He really was happy, wasn't he? He really <laughs> loved a bit of that. It's good to know that Reed was a happy man at that point. <laughs> he was rubbing his knees under he that was console. His knees. He's thinking, I'm going to shoot those Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was a very happy man at that point. And he, he got to shoot the. He got to shoot them four times. That's four more yes. torpedoes fired this episode. Yep. So six torpedoes six already torp- used. 
of the eight that we only saw being loaded in. Just want to say that. Um, and also keep a running tally on injectors, lost injectors. Yes. Now, this was a bit of a callback to the Cretassens. Uh, way back when, in a night in sick bay, when we lost or we went down to four or five uh, injectors and Trip didn't want to go any further without getting a replacement fifth one just in case. We've lost three yes. or five. So they're down to two already. So that's pretty serious. They've gone in to the expanse, having yes. lost six torpedoes already, three of their injectors, and they don't think to maybe stop and wait for some resupplies or anything like that. And curiously, they spent seven weeks getting there. We still haven't met the military. Ah. What did they do? What were the military doing for six, seven weeks on board <laughs> on the way to the... the uh, there, are, there we go. Anyway, a bit late to ask to Paul if she wants to come along. Yes, a little bit, maybe. Yeah, maybe just, you know, maybe like three or four weeks late. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. You know, you know, all those friends you've made with the military already, you know, the ones we've been meeting up with for seven weeks. Yeah. Um, but is you still want to come? Yeah, it's only logical. Yeah, because you can't turn back now. Oh, God. Uh, straight and steady. Let's see what's in there. An ominous music plays up to yes. 41 minutes and 53 seconds. Any thoughts on that last bit? I think it was all right. It was, I suppose, not an anticlimax exactly. Mm-hmm. It's when you think of it as an end of of a of a season. Yes, I actually think it works quite well. Yeah, it's got that you know, it's that going back, going into the the unknown and mm. what's coming ahead and stuff. So yeah, I think it works okay. Because yeah. you know, last time when they did that in the pilot, you saw the stars ahead of them and there was hope. Now there's kind of like this fear, what they're going to come into. And either the ominous music isn't just over the top, but it just slightly tinges what they would have been doing for the last two years. I kind of think it works. And it would make me want to come back for a season three. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Despite what season two has done to us and the torture it's put us through. Um, And that's it for the episode. Any other thoughts on the episode before we move on? No, I think we've covered most stuff, really, don't you? I think, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Just a big why. Why did everything happen in the way it did? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so that's it for locating the point in time. As everyone knows, we've got our Elkars waiting system. Elkars. And um, uh, yeah, we're going to go on to consequences. Question whether it addresses the consequences. 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 The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer, but learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. What are the consequences of this episode? Well, they're pretty massive, really, aren't they? Oh, yes. You know, we have a a hole in Earth that's never been mentioned before or after again. (laughs) We have the, the basis for the whole of season three of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, Topol seemingly has left the high command and abandoned that part of her life. And mm-hmm. um, what else has happened? Juras is dead. Yes. <laughs> All his sequins just littered All out through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's pretty yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like considering consider how inconsequential loads of episodes of season two have been. They really just saved it all up for this episode. I they feel. did. Like yeah, everything sure. changes. Yeah. Um, 
trip becomes murderous trip and uh, the ship now has photonic torpedoes it now can loop to loop around clouds far easier than ever before pulling off an l4 move yeah um yeah it really sets up quite a lot for for lots of our characters uh, I feel like Travis didn't really have much to do. I know he did have something to do in that he looped a loop around the cloud, but that's not changed at all. No. And Hoshi wasn't really given anything to do this week. But no. uh, overall, I suppose, the mission has changed. So yes. probably the most consequential episode yeah. so far. Um, yeah. So from there, we go into alterations and expansions. Things that, you know, in our infinite wisdom we would change and not have in the episode or things we would like to see expanded. Would we like to see more of certain things happen? I would get rid of duress. I yeah. don't see the point of it really. No. Just, you know, and not only that, but you know, he's so, as you say, he's so hopeless that he's not <laughs> even like a threat really. No. <laughs> just a bit of annoyance, like a sort of bee or something buzzing <laughs> around, you know, just go away. <laughs> How did his family become so formidable in the future? Exactly, if he was so yeah. useless. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> but, um, so that I would get rid of, I think. But otherwise, I thought it was a pretty good episode. So I'm I'm quite happy to leave it as it is, basically. Yeah, I have been facetious. I, I, there are loads of times where I've said, why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? But I really enjoyed it. And yeah. I don't know whether that's because I've gone through so many horrible episodes of season two and this was like catharsis or whether this is a genuinely good experience but it's also because i'm looking forward to what's coming and this is setting it all up so it makes a lot of sense i think for me though if i was to alter it in any way i would keep enterprise out there and have yes. one of their ships meet them and we would have had this growing for a couple of episodes. Yeah, and we, we yeah. could have... Because co- this episode is purely written just so that they could be seen to be commenting on 9-11. Yeah. You know, that was the whole point. You know, 9-11 happened. We had two seasons of Enterprise where they just seemingly weren't dealing with that. They didn't seem to bring it up at all. And this is the first time they properly commented on that happening. Um, I kind of felt like they should have spent the last three or four weeks explaining how they feel about it you know trip has a personal loss because it's florida and his family you know hoshi could then talk about you know uh, different things travis could talk about being in space we've never had a home so this is something you know i'm not attached to this Mm. in any way i'm not from earth so why should i be invested we could have had some really interesting character conversations but we didn't and i kind of feel like that's the only thing that was missing is that this should have carried through several episodes and made it more believable that it took seven weeks to get home and then seven weeks back out again um it, it there was a lot of time jumping which you'd think i would love for temple trek yes. but i didn't um yeah so there we go uh after that we go into the pirate criteria the r's What did you think of the story? From my perspective. That's one way of looking at it. I'm going to recommend it. Recommendations to Star Trek fans and non-Star Trek fans. Is it a good episode of Star Trek for Star Trek fans? Yes, I think it is. Yeah, I think it... I mean, obviously it sets up an entire season, so that's interesting. But I think actually as a standalone episode, it's a good episode, yeah. It's certainly one of the better ones of season two, that's for sure. (laughs) 
it doesn't take a lot to get to no, that level, but yeah. Exactly. But yes, yeah. <laughs> and after yeah. Bounty, after Bounty last oh, week, yeah. it's, it's got to be better, isn't it? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, to non Star Trek fans, is it a good way of going in, though? Well, I suppose not really, but you could maybe get away with it. Hmm. I suppose, how much do you need to know about the Enterprise crew? I mean, in some ways, you don't really need to have seen any of that stuff before, do you? No. Nope. That could almost have been the pilot episode. Yeah, yeah. So maybe in some ways, you could do that. You could say, look, rather than going through the first two seasons, come in here mm. and go from there. Yeah. Or you cherry pick maybe a few from season yeah, one. And yeah. then go straight into the expanse. Forget season two, go yeah. straight into the expanse. Even the good episodes of season two that we did enjoy, which I'm failing yeah. to remember, but yeah, yeah, um, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I felt that there wasn't as many things to explain. If you had someone coming in, you didn't have to explain flocks. He got outraged when something wasn't going properly. You know, he actually had some good moments where he'd convinced mm. to poll regardless of how you read the scene he convinced to to change her mind to you know says she's actually adjusting to them and she has her own thing we get to meet saval we get to meet forest again so we're actually setting up the whole geopolitical thing on earth as well there's actually quite a lot going on here and mm. it will set up season three there will yeah. be a payoff it's not the fact that this will get never mentioned again yeah. i was like you remember that delphic expanse oh wasn't that crazy for six weeks yeah. um and then like we'll come in season three and you know, we'll have an episode where Reed wants to, you know, <laughs> sleep with a torpedo or I don't know, something. Um, yeah, so it really does pay off later. So, yeah, I completely agree uh, with what you say. Yeah. Uh, and no unrealistic expectations, no trial of principle as well. Like yeah. everybody does what they're expected to do. Yeah. Right. That's it. The last part of our criteria is S. We sell our podcasts and what we achieve, and then we set up for the next time. So where can they find you, Dan? They can find me at Academic Trek 47 on the mighty Twitter. Um, soon to be apparently owned by Elon Musk, but we'll see. Mm. Um, <laughs> don't know how that would change my life, but there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you can listen to Academic Trek. There are some episodes up. There might one day be some more. I look forward to it. So do I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Excellent. Uh, And yeah, of course, we've got Nexus Nights. So we'll have our next Nexus Nights episode uh, talking about season two coming up shortly, uh, possibly the week after this. I don't know how we're going to do that, but yeah, we'll figure that out. Don't worry about that. And I'm on other podcasts as well, but I've talked about them on other episodes and that's a whole other network. So don't worry about that. Uh, so let's set up the next week. So if we're coming back for Nexus Nights, we'll do a season two recap. If not, and we're going to go straight into uh, the next season, come back and join us for season three, episode 53 of the podcast and season three, episode one of Enterprise, the Zindi. Um, we'll figure out what this Zindi thing is all about. And yeah. season three begins. So any thoughts on Zindi? Did you sort of remember this one coming up? Um, no, I... I... I can't remember quite what what happens in this one. Hmm. I have a horrible feeling it's the guy that has his finger chopped off. Oh, I think it is. Yes. 
I, I watched the first 10 minutes to, to make sure that it's zero minutes, zero seconds when we start and there's no timer jumping. But yes, that does ring a bell. Okay, well, that mm, could be not a great start to season three, maybe. We've been we've been sort of you know trumpeting in this for for quite a while. We go, we're getting nearer, we're getting nearer. I'm not sure this is. If you were trying to sort of convince someone that season three is better, then maybe this isn't the episode to to do it with. But we'll see. I'll watch it and I'll tell you next week. <laughs> yeah, but again, can it be worse than season two? No, exactly. I don't think it can be. It can't be worse than season two. So at the very least, we could just say, look, we're in calmer waters. Yeah. It may not be great, but it's at least calm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, um, as always, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you in the next time stream. We certainly will. Oh, yeah. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search the Temple Trek podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music Birthright by Audio Binger is royalty free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.